Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week's episode was recorded live at San Francisco Sketchfest. Our live audience in San Francisco not only got to see us, but got a special surprise musical performance from Tune Yards. You won't hear the songs that Tune Yards performed, but you will hear two members of the band in another segment of the show. They have a brand new album called I Can Feel You Creep Into My Private Life. It comes out Friday wherever music is sold. And we do love our tune yards here at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Now, let's go to the stage at the Castro Theater in San Francisco where Judge John Hodgman is talking to some new friends of the court. Uh, I did want to say hello to Daniel. Daniel is a new friend. Uh, he wrote me saying that he was uh, coming to the show on a blind date. So I said, you're going to sit in the front row. <laughs> Daniel, which one of these people is your date? What, what, is, your, what is your name? Rebecca. Rebecca. You guys have never met before. Have you ever heard of this podcast? No. All right, great. <laughs> Rebecca, how's the date going so far? On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best date ever. And it can change from moment to moment. I will be checking back with you. F- five? five? Look. That's a great. Strict scale. Hey, I'm I'm not on a date with her. That's fine. We're looking for drama and transformation here. Yeah. If you had said ten right off the bat, that we would have nothing to work towards. This is yeah. good. Let's do the Judge Sean Hodgman podcast. I'm gonna retire to my chambers. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, we sent out a call for disputes and you answered. We've got an amazing show planned for you, composed of Bay Area justice. Shall we get into it? Let's bring out our first set of litigants. Please welcome Matt and Alyssa. Tonight's case, Statute Arf Limitations. Matt brings the case against his wife, Alyssa. Their beloved pet dog, Pluto, passed away last year. Alyssa wants to get a new dog. Matt needs more time to mourn. Who's right? Who's wrong? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom and delivers an obscure cultural reference. (laughs) Oh, pal! Oh, pal! Oh, what have I done? Oh, what have I done? Don't leave me, pal! Don't leave me! Is there a doctor in the house? Oh, don't leave me, old pal, old pal, old pal, old pal. Please say something, say something. Kiss me. (laughs) Matt and Alyssa, please raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever? I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that, I don't know, I guess he, like, uh, is a robber who puts sleeping pills into steaks and then feeds them to dogs? I do. I do. Do you think that would really work? You've wondered whether it would really work, right? Okay. It's not just me. Uh, (laughs) uh, Judge Hodgman, you may proceed. Matt and Alyssa, you may be seated for an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors. Can either of you name the piece of culture that I referenced as I entered the courtroom? Uh, Matt, why don't you guess first? Uh, No, but uh, I'll take a shot in the dark and go The Sandlot. What did you say? The Sandlot. The Sandlot, the movie The Sandlot. Well, let's enter that into the guest book. Jesse, bring out the guest book. Oh, that's right. I forgot. You've never seen the guest book before. No one ever told you that it's six feet high and all the guesses are engraved on golden plates. <laughs> Too bad people at home can't see this amazing piece of <laughs> incredibly elaborate technology that I use to record the guess of every litigant. Oh no, bees! <laughs> oh, I forgot that they... That, 
I forgot that the organ here at the Castro Theater that lives down there in that organ hole is actually powered by a hive of killer bees. Okay, Matt, we can put your guess, The Sandlot, into the guest book. And Matt, I like that guess, and I'll tell you why. You didn't have any idea what the reference was, but you thought, what does Judge Hodgman like to reference? And you said, oh, sports movies. Yeah. Love them. Especially I nostalgic mean, I, sports movies. Yeah. <laughs> I would have gone with I, Field of Dreams, but How about, how about Bored to Death? I changed my guess okay. to Bored what, to Death. What was it? Bored, Bored to Death. Bored, Bored to, to Death. death. Sitcom, sitcom starring John Hunt. A very, very popular sitcom. <laughs> now, Alyssa, he guessed twice. You may guess twice if you wish. Oh. Well, I forgot my, most of my prepared guesses, so I'm going to go with Where the Red Fern Grows. Where the Red Fern Grows. Did the dog die in that one? I think so. <laughs> there were a lot of... I'll put that in the guest book. There was like a Did golden you... age of dead dog literature. I know. <laughs> I know. Old Yeller, isn't that one? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't... That's, but that's not it. And uh, nor is yours, and nor is both of yours. All guesses are wrong. I had a lot of choices. I was looking for All Dogs Go to Heaven, but I couldn't find anything in there. I had some really good ones from uh, Ghost Dog, starring Forrest Whitaker. Dude, Ghost Dog is what's up! That movie is fresh. Listen, this is one I almost went with from Ghost Dog. Remember the part where he walks past the RZA in the street and they're just like... Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. That's so one from Ghost Dog was, Meditation on Inevitable Death Should Be Performed Daily. That was the yeah. one I was going to go with, which is also a good tagline for my book, Vacation Land, available. <laughs> Dude, can I tell you something about Ghost Dog? Yeah. I, I'm, I was really into Ghost Dog in high school, and I read this interview with Jim Jarmusch where he was talking about the RZA made the soundtrack of that movie. And he was like, yeah, just like every six or eight weeks, the RZA would call me, and he'd hand me a CD in a parking lot. <laughs> Like, exactly how I imagined the RZA would distribute soundtrack music. I, a dog's purpose, if you like dog death, man, you get four good ones in there, I think, right? That was what you were going to guess? It was my prepared It was my prepared, was your prepared guess. guess? Why didn't you go with it? Because it, it reminded me of... Uh, well, yeah. you, it reminded you of Pluto. You could have guessed uh, Marley and me, or as Judge Hodgman calls it, Marley and I. <laughs> It's conceivable that Marley and that person could have been the direct objects of that sentence. <laughs> you mean that like is, they're this, coming for Marley and me? Yeah. This book is about Marley and me. It's not necessarily Marley and me wrote a book. <laughs> right. Did Marley write the book? I don't know. Yeah. I think it was co-authored by his ghost. But for all of the dead dog choices I could have gone with, I instead chose something special. Because your dog was named Pluto, I, uh, I quoted uh, the Mickey Mouse short, The Moose Hunt, uh, from 1931. <laughs> Specifically, the scene in which Mickey Mouse believes he has shot Pluto to death, because Pluto was carrying a branch that made him look like a moose, and Mickey Mouse is an irresponsible gun owner. <laughs> Do you know that joke? No. Oh, it's like the greatest joke. I don't want to derail the show, but I'm going to tell it. Don't you? (laughs) So the king and the vizier are going moose hunting. Sure. You know, the vizier's there to hold the guns and so on and so forth. I know what a vizier is. they're They're traveling through the forest, and they get to a clearing. And in the center of the clearing is a man who's completely naked. And he... The, the king, sw- you know, just kind of unthinkingly swings his gun up and points it at the man. Man raises his hands. He says, your majesty, uh, d- please don't shoot me. I- I'm not a moose. And the king <laughs> shoots him dead right there in the clearing. Now, the vizier, he's upset. You know, he just saw a man murdered in cold blood. Right. He says, your majesty, why did you shoot that man? He said he wasn't a moose. And the king says... Oh, geez. I thought he said he was a moose. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have. Ladies <laughs> and Mickey Mouse shoots Pluto. And thinking that he has killed 
his dog Pluto says, please, pal, say something. And Pluto says, Pluto realizes that Pluto was just like pretending to be dead. And then as a joke, he says to Mickey Mouse, kiss me, which is disgusting on his face. But also the only time Pluto ever speaks. This is the only time Pluto ever speaks out loud. And they never did it again uh, for the obvious reason that um, uh, granting Pluto the power of reasoning and speech would only further underscore the horrible injustice of his enslavement. <laughs> to a giant mouse. <laughs> yeah. In short pants. Yeah. To a, to, in a world where all other animals walk on two legs and wear clothes, and Pluto is owned... Up, you need to get some short pants! And Pluto is owned by a disproportionately large, impossible mouse monster... And if I, were, if I were Pluto, and I had the power of reasoning and speech, I don't know which would be more repulsive to me, that I am enslaved or that uh, I have to look at Mickey Mouse every day. <laughs> so in any case, uh, we have to hear your case, and uh, uh, thank you for being here. I'm sorry for loss of Pluto. Uh, at this point, I would probably ask about Pluto, but I only imagine that you brought some pictures, and I would like to see some pictures of this good, good dog. So let's go to the evidence, please. First slide. Oh. So that's Pluto. What kind of dog is Pluto there? He is a German Shepherd pit mix. Uh, oh, wow. Well, it was. Well, I mean, oh. I don't think his breed changes let's just because he's died. I, don't, I hope you're not delusional. <laughs> this is a court of real facts. Okay. Next slide, please. He's very, he was very handsome. Oh. Now here, for those who can't watch, and obviously all of these photos are going to be on the Judge John Hodgman Instagram account, uh, Matt and Pluto are um, twerking? <laughs> What's going on in this photo? You're looking under the, the TV for something. Is that yes, right? You don't, I, I you don't twerk while you watch the football game? <laughs> I don't know how these things are done. What's happening in this photo, Matt? Uh, yeah, Pluto lost a toy under the TV stand. So he and I, he was a very helpful companion and always wanted to be involved with everything we were doing. So he was helping Dad search for the ball. Yeah. The he, two of you, in other words, had shoved your face into the crevice and were barking aggressively <laughs> together. Yes. yes. Got it. It sounds like you were the more helpful companion because he couldn't get his toy. And, and through his symbiotic uh, adoption of you, he got you to get it for him. Is that correct? Yeah, the kind of reverse of the Pluto Mickey situation. He's a, he's a good dog. Next, next slide, please. Oh, now here we see Pluto and Matt snuggled up, and Matt is wearing some highly questionable pajama pants. <laughs> Purchased by Alyssa. Candy cane pajama pants. They're, you know, obviously you're all cozy at home. I noticed that your couch is covered uh, dramatically <laughs> with uh, some kind of throw to prevent Pluto's hair from getting all over it. Uh, such as the cost of being a pet owner. Next slide. Oh, and here's a very similar situation. Now it's Alyssa and Pluto snuggling together, and there's another small creature there. Who's that? That's our daughter. That's your daughter. How old is your daughter? Uh, almost two. Mm, she looks there? younger than yes. that. <laughs> She's a week old there. Oh, oh, this is an older photo, right? Of course. Excuse me. Uh, next slide, please. Oh, Pluto isn't here anymore. What's going on with this? This is our living room currently, and uh, Pluto died May of last year. And we still have his dog bed, uh, two different paw print impressions to the left of the Elf DVD on the corner of the dresser there, his collar, uh, a box containing his ashes, and a dog-themed photo frame with the photo of Pluto and I at the bar in it. Good choice of theme. That's it. So this is, your shrine, this is your shrine to your friend. How did Pluto pass away? Uh, essentially, uh, degenerative myelopathy, which is a, a Essentially. Disease. Yes. He doesn't want to dumb it down uh, too much. Yeah, he was but... euthanized. He was euthanized is how he passed away, technically. But uh, uh, it's a disease that runs in German shepherds. And what, is it, what, is it call, what, what does it cause? I'm sorry. I don't uh, it's, you lose the myeler sheath. Uh, starts not functioning, and so you lose uh, sensation in your hind limbs, and then control, uh, and it progresses up the spine until it, you can no longer breathe. It is a degenerative disease with no cure, and so you did the responsible things as pet owners. 
You took him to be murdered. Yes. <laughs> Judge Hodgman makes that it. joke so often. I feel like it's a challenge to listeners. Like, like a, like an, it, like a, oh yeah, you're going to keep listening after I say this. It's the, I did it. It's no fun, but it is the responsible thing. Next slide, please. Oh, there's your daughter and Pluto. Does your daughter have a name? Audrey. Audrey. Oh, they seem to get along really well. What is the point of this evidence? This was my evidence that uh, she may never have another sibling. So Pluto was her brother. She actually called him brother. Um, And I want her to have that experience again. Okay, so this is where we're getting down to it, because you would like to get a dog ASAP. And Matt, you're not ready yet. Is that correct? That's correct. All right. Is there any other evidence to see here? Can we go to the next slide? Oh. This is just some paw and hand touching. (laughs) How's the date going now? This is a family-friendly podcast, but this is pretty f-ing adorable, right? <laughs> Next slide, please. And here you guys are at the beach with Pluto. What is the significance of this photograph? Alyssa, if this is your submission. Yes, it is to show that we did fun-filled activities with Pluto. Um, and that it reminds me of a time when we could do fun-filled activities. Are you trying to You give me this evidence to convince me that you will take the dog to the beach and not just... Keep it in a basement hole. <laughs> you were good pet owners that played with your dog? Yes. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> I, I, think was, I, I know that every, every pet owner feels that they have a super special relationship with their dog that no other pet owner has. It's actually pretty typical, but still very my, lovely. My dog has that relationship with anyone who's been sitting in my living room more than 10 minutes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you guys had some good times. Is there any more? Next slide. No, that's the end of the evidence. You can check all of that out on uh, Judge John Hodgman's uh, Instagram account, if you wish, if you are not here to see it yourself. Uh, so let's talk about your dispute. Uh, Matt, tell me why you don't want to get another dog. I do want to get another dog. I, I just am not quite ready right now. Um, the Pluto died in May, as I said. Um, he died actually 13 days after Alyssa got her first chemotherapy treatment for uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. And she's in remission now and doing much better. And, you know, um, but it was a long I think I, I think the audience probably would have applauded without your prompt. <laughs> <laughs> I think they would have booed and hissed. <laughs> um, uh, but so... Because she had just started treatment, um, we just kind of had to do it and didn't have much time to focus on it. And she just completed treatment in December. Um, she's going back to work next Tuesday. I just I want a couple of months of normalcy, of um, you know, not having the weight of uh, the last year on us, and to recognize how wonderful our dog was, how much we loved him, uh, how much he meant to us. Well, that sounds very reasonable, Alyssa. Why don't you want to wait three months, the, you know, a, a three-month waiting period? I am home alone with the baby, mm-hmm. and I liked having him bark at when packages were delivered and just kind of follow us around the house. That makes me sound like a shopaholic, but... <laughs> it sounds to me like you hate your UPS person. <laughs> uh, I meant just anybody coming to the door. It gives me a sense of security, um, if Matt works late or is playing poker or whatever, um, it, <laughs> it, it makes me feel better. Um, and through the treatment, it was kind of this sign of when life gets back to normal, we'll, we'll get if a dog. He's at the bar or... Yeah, what kind of deadbeat are you, Matt? <laughs> Standard. So you're saying you would feel more secure if a dog were around? Yes. Pluto was, I mean, a sweetheart, but he did look scary. Right. And do you feel insecure now, home alone? With yeah, that baby. Yeah. I do. Especially when Matt's at the opium den, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> is it just a security issue, or or is there anything else at play? The house is kind of quiet. He would follow us literally everywhere, right. um, and we liked that part of it. They 
they were buddies, and that was fun to see. And the other day, my daughter wanted me to draw 12 cats in chalk. She's super into chalk right now. Um, but as dog people, that's a little scary um, to have a cat, person, child. Not that anything's wrong with cats. We're both allergic, uh, so we can't have a cat. You're afraid that absent a dog in your daughter's life... <laughs> without a good dog role model... She's going to grow into the kind of person you can't tolerate. No, I love cat people. I, I, well, good, because I, I've never owned a dog, but I've had several cats. For the simple purpose that I, I feel nervous when someone pretends to like me. <laughs> but I feel very comfortable being silently judged. And I enjoy having a box of poop in my apartment. You were diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and began treatment uh, last May when Pluto, and that was part of the reason why Pluto was euthanized, because there was too much to deal with. Is that correct? No. Matt yes. is nodding there. Yes. But you're, but you, well, I heard that from Matt. Now I'll hear Alyssa's side. To give the full story, we, at that point he couldn't use his back legs, so we'd carry him in a harness and help yeah. carry the back legs. Um, we also ordered with a, a dog handle. custom-built yeah. uh, wheelchair designed for his specifications. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, we did a PET scan. We did um, uh, some DNA testing to confirm that it was, in fact, a degenerative myelopathy. <laughs> yes. No one's doubting that you, that you took all, all the, the extraordinary measures that you could to prolong Pluto's life. You know, and I'm, I'm not sure why someone accused you of being, yes. aside from me, of being a murderer. The point was, we, uh, Alyssa in particular, uh, would have gone to any length, uh, to all lengths to save that dog. And um, she had planned on uh, doing doggy diapers and things of that nature. But because of the uh, complications and uh, side effects of chemotherapy, where she is neutropenic and can't be around um, germs. Sure. Taking care of your dog is not exactly. This is a family-friendly podcast. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. So, in any case, you, you began treatment around the time that, that, that you lost Pluto. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, now, and now you have completed treatment and all is well. First of all, that's wonderful. Does this experience with cancer affect your thinking about a, the dog in any way, or is that incidental in your mind? Not so much. It was just so many rules during treatment that, mm-hmm. I mean, I couldn't go pet a dog, so now I'm that crazy lady who will, like, chase you down the street to say hi to your dog. Right. Um, so that part of it, it's kind of a sign that life's back to normal, that I'm healthy again. Like, sick people don't go choose a dog and make that commitment for 15 years. Right. Be- so that part of it's fun. Because Matt said that he wanted to return to normalcy for a few months, but it seems to me like having a dog might signal normalcy to you in a way that it doesn't to him. Would, right. you, say, would you say that that's true, Matt? Like, why, why would having a, having a new dog not be normal? Well, I would, I would say, uh, historically, having a dog would be normal for me and not for her. I, I strongly believe, and Alyssa has previously agreed to me, though I don't know if she will hear, that she didn't love dogs until we were together. Um, that she had dogs growing up, but they were pets and not part of the family. So, um, yeah, maybe now it is normal for her to have a dog. Um, for me, uh, yes, having a dog but would you be understand. the normal. I'm not talking, I mean, yeah, she yeah. lived with a dog. I'm, I, I'm just, I'm speculating, perhaps, I, that getting a dog, getting, like, as you say, uh, uh, getting a dog isn't what a sick person does. And she's not sick right now. Right. So she would like to get a dog in celebration of her non-sickness. And you don't want that. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because of the year we've been through, uh, I think it would be nice to get back to um, uh, just to have a small, a very, you know, quarter of a year, three-month window where we don't have some new life-changing event happening. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I want. Yeah, how do you feel about that, Alyssa? Does that, does that change your mind? How does it make you feel... It makes me feel like I should be understanding of his request uh, because he has done so much for us in the last year. Um, but I still really want a dog. 
Judge Hodgman, I'm yeah. just I'm just want to clarify something. I got some stuff in my notes here. I'm a little confused. So, Alyssa, you had was that non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? Hodgkin's. Hodgkin's lymphoma. Matt, what what did you survive? Uh, I had a wife with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Hard on everyone, okay? <laughs> Hard on everyone in the family. Alyssa, I have a question for you. Um, having a new dog is a lot more work than having an, uh, a dog you've had for a long time. Um, you know, you're signing up for a year or 18 months of being very actively engaged with training the dog to be Actually, it's family? a billion-year contract. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking of the Sea Org, Judge Hodgman. Again? <laughs> yeah. Classic mix-up. Very tempting. Very, very tempting arrangement. Go on. Um, are you prepared for that as someone who has uh, just recovered from a major illness and is about to go back to work and has a small child in the house? When you put it all together like that, it makes me nervous. Uh, <laughs> but I think so. We, we were going to adopt an older dog, so it wouldn't be quite as much work. I know it's still a huge adjustment. Um, what kind of dog are you looking for? Probably a one- to two-year-old larger dog, since this is my scary dog. Right. Um, and basically just one who will be good with our daughter. Have That's you really thought about a dire wolf? <laughs> <laughs> if you can get me one. <laughs> They're usually some laying around. <laughs> hey, Judge Hodgman. Dope idea. Matt, you want me to rule a three-month moratorium on dogs. How does it feel with Pluto gone, and why do you want to prolong that period? <clears throat> um, yeah, it's, it's hard. And by the way, I want you to think about this. I don't want you to say a few words, and then I have to psychoanalyze you and come back and tell you your truth. I want you to tell me your truth. Because this is the only thing that's going to get me to rule in your favor, is hearing your truth about this. And Alyssa hearing it too. It gets very heavy sometimes, Rebecca. (laughs) Uh, The absence of a dog, uh, definitely. there is a feeling of loss. There's a feeling Not of Not just a dog! Pluto. Pluto! Pluto in particular. Pluto in particular. Say um, his name! Yes. <laughs> However, um, having a dog, uh, as bailiff Jesse was saying, also has a large number of responsibilities. We can't go on vacation. I don't want to hear this! Jesse already said it. Yes. She already acknowledged it. I asked you a question. What does it feel like now that Pluto is gone, and why do you want to prolong that? It feels... Um, like we have fewer commitments, and because we've had a very regimented schedule over the last I think it feels year, sad I probably would be the word I was saying. Sad, right? Sad. Uh, see, the answer I was looking for was sad. Yes. <laughs> Survey says sad. Do we see commitments? <laughs> Honestly, if your truth is this, it's a little bit easier without a dog right now. Say that. It's a little bit easier without a dog right now. I think I've heard everything I need to in order to hear my... I think I've heard everything I need to in order to make my decision. I'm going to go into my uh, chambers and uh, give this in consideration. We'll be back in a moment with my decision. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Alyssa, do you already have a name picked out in your head for the dog, if it's a boy dog or a girl dog? I don't. I'm kind of curious to see what my daughter will name it. Ooh, wow. It's going to be named Paw Patrol. (laughs) Bad news. Doc McStuffins the dog. Dog McStuffins. Sorry, I had to punch up your two-year-old's imaginary name. She might be able to do it. You know, I've I've had two dogs uh, who are who are now. Uh, I think they're probably both around double digits. We don't know exactly how old they are. Um, they're very happy and healthy. Uh, but I, there is a part of me that I'm, I know I'm not going to get three dogs. But and I don't want my, I want to have my two dogs. 
But there's a part of me that wants there somehow to be room for another dog so that I can name it Hambone. <laughs> it's like all I think about. It's like, God, I can't wait until I meet Hambone. <laughs> I know my next dog's name will be Hambone. And I thought I was really great until I met one of the hosts of the Max Fun podcast, Can I Pet Your Dog? Uh, she, she didn't have a dog for a long time. She finally got a dog, named it Tugboat. <sighs> tugboat, oh, how, what could be more beautiful than Tugboat the dog? Anyway, I don't want to derail things. <laughs> don't you? Matt, I mean, you, you had a baby in a really difficult time in your life, and, and you figured it out. And you've had a new dog at some point, and you figured it out. I mean, do you understand the way that when something like this happens in your life, it just, all the pieces work out somehow? Uh, yeah, Alyssa is how they all work out. She generally handles that stuff, so. How's that date going? <laughs> just got extremely romantic. <laughs> well, we'll see what Judge Hodgman has to say about all of this in just a moment. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom and presents his verdict. Matt, Alyssa, I love your relationship. You guys obviously are very devoted to each other, and you've gone through some difficult things. You may or may not know that here at the Castro Theater, we have a young couple that are just starting out on a lifelong commitment. (laughs) Right now they're just working on the basics, though. Sit, stay. And I I hope they take you as role models as they go forward in their entwined lives together. For your, for your obvious mutual affection and obvious support, um, I would say, you know, to Daniel, who's on this blind date, don't spend so much time playing poker, but... <laughs> and I cannot wait till you guys get this dog. This dog is going to come into your lives. You both are agreed on that point. Uh, and, and it is obvious that it is going to happen, because you guys, you, you know, as a family, you love Pluto... You guys love touching paws with a dog. And you gotta get Audrey off of this terrible cat track. <laughs> Who knows where that will lead? Obviously, toxoplasmosis for a start. Then what's next? Books? Yeah, right. <laughs> Cozy mysteries is what comes next, my friends. Herbal teas? And I can't wait for Audrey to name that dog, and I can't wait for you guys to deal with the fact that your dog is now named Meow Meow. (laughs) While I appreciate that a dog provides extra company and security, and you you would like to get back to normal as quickly as possible, Uh, And while I would have been more sympathetic to Matt if he had at one point said, I just need some time to feel sad that my dog is gone, and instead simply said, I don't need these extra chores. (laughs) Not needing extra chores is a reasonable thing in life. That is not, it perhaps seems a little bit heartless. Uh... But it is not unreasonable. You both have had a lot to process, and the fact that Matt wants some extra time to process the loss of Pluto and the obvious happy news of your being healthy and spending time with his daughter and everything else, that actually makes sense to me. Matt and you have gone through a lot, a lot of surprises. You've gone through a lot of poop in the past year, and you don't need extra poop on your floors as a surprise in the morning to deal with. So, and if Matt were asking for two years, a year, even six months, I'd be like, dude, stop it. But three months, I think, is a reasonable ask. I have to remind myself sometimes that this whole point, uh, the whole point of fake internet court is to, <laughs> is to a- arrive 
at a fair decision, not merely a decision that favors the person I like more, Alyssa. <laughs> Obviously. And so with great respect, I think three months is a reasonable waiting period before Meow Meow is acquired. <laughs> I think your plan to adopt an older dog, a rescue dog, is, is obviously a wonderful idea. But in the meantime, Matt, I want you to be considerate of uh, Alyssa's uh, security uh, concerns. Uh, I need you to stop playing poker. Uh, I need you to get, get away from that opium den. I need you to be home, to yell at the UPS person when they come by. (laughs) A little bit more, but mostly because if you're going to take these three months, really take this three months to be with your your wife and daughter uh, and enjoy each other as much as possible. Um, So, uh, sorry, Alyssa, but I rule in Matt's favor. This is the sound of a gavel. No, wait a minute. That sounded terrible. This is the sound of a gavel. Still bad. This is the sound of a gavel. There we go. Judge John Hodgman rules. That is all. Matt and Alyssa, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up, seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) 
Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. You're listening to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. This episode was recorded live at the San Francisco Sketch Fest. Let's go back to the stage at the Castro Theater for Swift Justice, featuring our friends Meryl Garbus and Nate Brenner of Tune Yards. Nate and Meryl, I understand you guys have a little bit of a dispute. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Well, why don't you come walk along here? Say hi to Daniel and Rebecca right there in the front row. They're, they're on their first date. Oh, it's a blind date. We don't know how it's going to go. Rebecca, I bet you didn't expect to meet indie rock royalty tonight. Tell me the name of your record album. I Can Feel You Creep Into My Private Life. And where and when is it available everywhere all over the place? A week from, uh, well, let's see, in podcast land, January 19th. January 19th of this year, 2018? 2018. Fantastic. So, can't wait to hear it. Let's begin Swift Justice. Jesse Thorne, do you have a 10-minute clock? 10-minute clock is ready. All right. Meryl and Nate, first of all, what is the nature of your relationship? Uh, We are married. Married to each other? To each other. Bandmates and married to each other. Can't see how that would ever cause a dispute. (laughs) What? Is the nature of your dispute. Meryl, go. Uh, Nate says I talk too much. I say Nate talks too little. So far, Nate has said nothing. Precisely my point. In fact, all of our backstage time, I believe, Nate said hello. And that was it. Oh, no. I said nice jacket. He said, it's new. Really, Meryl? What more is there to say? Nate, do you want to defend yourself in... Two words or less? I'm innocent. While I can appreciate, Meryl, that this might be challenging to live with on a daily basis, surely you appreciate the long-form art project that Nate is doing... Oh, that's what it is. Is, this, is, he, is he really this closed-mouthed at home? <laughs> yes. Is it worse when you're out in the world, or is it, or is it the same when you're in private? Uh, that's a good question. I'm, I'm often, I only ask the good ones. Uh, I'm often uh, talking so much, I, I, don't, uh, I don't notice. Nate, what is the situation where Meryl has talked too much to the detriment of your social standing or uh, relationship? Standing. <laughs> well, yeah, like if you As were in the club and the club I... president was there. Right. My As position in... in society has gone down as a result. As indie rock royalty. That's right. Yeah. Nate, what's a... Yeah, well, answer the question, Nate. I will say that Meryl accused me of talking too little... And then I noticed that maybe she talks a little too much. 
So your accusation followed hers. Exactly. It's a suit countersuit situation. <laughs> I think you're, I think, Nate, I think your countersuit is frivolous. <laughs> frivolous, frivolous and punitive, and I, I throw Objection. it out immediately. <laughs> Overruled. Okay, sustained. I, I, really, I really want to hear more words from you. I started playing the bass so I wouldn't have to talk. I grew my hair out so I wouldn't have to talk. You have to say one more. Rule of threes. Rule of threes. Rule of threes. I bought this jacket so I wouldn't have to talk. I find in Nate's favor. Ladies and gentlemen, Nate and Merrill. We'll hear more from them. Or at least one of them a little later on. Our We're next, bring on our next litigants, Jesse. Misty and Aaron. Is that Arun? Arun. Misty and Arun. Correct. First of all, for those of you listening at home, I really should have cued a gasp when these two came on. Because they are dressed so sharply. So, Misty and Arun. Why do you guys look so great? Truthfully, it's to impress Jesse. We had okay, so much too. planning just to impress Jesse. You, uh, you, you took so much planning to impress Jesse? We did. Because you are followers of Put This On, Jesse's uh, yes. menswear blog? Very much yes. so. They're both wearing very sharp hats. What would, you, what would you call your hat there, Arun? Is that a stingy brim? Is that a fedora? Is it's that a, a fedora. As in the hat person told me that it's a fedora. Okay, very yeah. good. Can we buzz market that? Sure. <laughs> Could be a trilby. <laughs> he knows better, for sure. That's another t-shirt. <laughs> Could be a trilby. <laughs> Arun, are you wearing a t-shirt underneath that collared shirt? No. All right. That's what I like to see. Yeah. Boy, when Jesse Thorne said no one should ever wear a t-shirt under a collared shirt, I, I, I had to quick look to make sure I wasn't. I was like, he's right. And I wasn't, I'm glad to say. But my, my son has been binge-watching Friends, and all of them are wearing t-shirts under their shirts. The 90s were terrible. Anyway. For all of us. Uh, Daniel, what are you wearing under your shirt? T-shirt? T-shirt under there? Ooh. Oh my God! <laughs> to be fair, it's not white. It's not a white T-shirt. It's not a white. Yeah, he's doing like a layering. Thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. okay. It's fine. That's fine. <laughs> it's not just an undershirt that you've decided to show everyone. Okay, <laughs> but this we're we're robbing justice from you by talking about fashion. Although you guys look fantastic. What is the nature of your dispute, uh, Misty? Dis- go. Our dispute is Aaron here has a staunch and perplexing dedication to iodized table salts. Iodized table salts? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And, oh. <laughs> you Remind me, what yes. geographical region are we in again? <laughs> <laughs> iodized table salts? You picked the wrong. Get a hiss from the crowd. <laughs> Imagine if we said fluoride. <laughs> then what? Uh, you, you, what do you use uh, iodized table salt for? Um, for all of the cooking that for I do. For all of the cooking? Yeah. Uh, do you have a goiter problem? No. <laughs> I don't want it, so... You, 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 is it keeping you safe? Yeah. Yeah. I feel very safe. Yeah. Why do you... Now, there are better kinds of salt out there. You don't need iodized uh, salt. Why do you like it? Um, it's not just the iodine part. It's just the table salt. And I, when I buy the table salt, it's usually uh, Is it a iodized. matter of thrift? Is it a matter of anti-snobbery? Is it a matter... Because no one who's wearing a fedora should be using iodine in their table salt. Thank you. Again, I would like to point out that it's just not the matter of iodine. Uh, I think Misty's problem is more with table salt in general. Used in Precisely, cooking, right? because as you pointed out, there are better Does he use it in any weird salt. ways? Yes, he does. He has a glass jar <laughs> that he keeps it in and has a spoon with, I'm not exaggerating, two spoonful minimum in every dish, <laughs> just, just blindly. What size yes, spoon? salt makes things taste better. Exactly. Thank you. Add as needed. He so, does he sometimes add sugar as well? <laughs> not in this house. So is your gripe... Less the, the, the jankiness of the salt than the, use, the overuse of salt in general? 
I feel Tell me what you want me to rule. Something about Aaron that you should know is he puts a tremendous amount of research to anything in, near, or around on his body. He, <laughs> hair care products, everything, everything ingested on, near him, pants. And I just feel that it's idiosyncratic that he not consider the salt that he uses so much of. Can I ask you a question? Is so there you're... something bad about iodized table salt that I'm not aware of? No. It's just kind of old-fashioned and unnecessary. And uh, Are you, like, making chocolate chip cookies with Himalayan pink salt or something? <laughs> no. I wouldn't even measure right, right? No. I, uh, Are you opposed to iodine, iodine, an essential bodily nutrient? <laughs> It was put. It was. It was. Forti- table salt was fortified with iodine in order to prevent people from getting goiters, and that is not a public health concern anymore. Yeah, because of iodized table salt. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. I agree. Himalayan. <laughs> also, I would like to point out that um, uh, the kind of salts that uh, Misty is suggesting is like kosher salt and things like that. And I did the research, and uh, the chemical composition is the same. It does not change the taste in any way. The only reason kosher salt is used is because it's easier to measure and put in the food. Texture, dude. Texture. <laughs> Look, I don't care. Well, he's not talking about finishing I know, dishes. I know. Do you have a finishing salt? Uh, I usually, I do Either not you know it. or you don't. I don't. <laughs> Look, I find that iodide that, look, I'm not, why am I avoiding talking about it? Morton's. That salt is, is gr- too fine. Don't like it. Also, I think that iodine gives it an off taste, but maybe that's what you like about it. However, if you are baking or putting stuff into stews, or all that salt will just disappear. I don't care what yeah. you do with it. In terms of your overuse of salt, do you like the food that he makes? He perpetually asks if it's oversalted, and it 90% of the time is. Okay, so you've got to cut back on your salt use. I don't care. You can use whatever junk salt you want <laughs> when you're cooking or whatever else, but you've got to invest in a good finishing salt. That's where you're going to be happy, because you take some of that Malden salt, and you put it on top at the last minute. All of a sudden, you get a delightful crunch, beautiful flavor, and also it's extra salty for you, and she doesn't have to deal with it. This is the sound of a gavel. Thank you. Misty and Arun, ladies and gentlemen. Let's welcome Craig and Stephanie to the stage. Craig and Craig Stephanie, and please Stephanie. come to the stage. Hi, Craig and Stephanie. Oh, it's Stephanie. I know you. In Hi, fact, God. I've known you for years. It's true. J- Jesse Thorne, Stephanie is from a little town called Brookline, Massachusetts. <laughs> which... Oh, wow. Woo! You know what? Patrick went to middle school with me. <laughs> There's a lot of dudes that went to middle school with me in the front row, so we can, I, can go, I can go real deep into this contest. Stephanie, Stephanie uh, is from Massachusetts, which is one of the five and only five states in New England. Uh, she went to Brookline High School. I'm sorry, New England is? It's a, re- uh, north, a region in the northeastern uh, United States. She went to Brookline High School. Uh, I, I spoke at her high school graduation. Brothers. Brothers, that's right. You were already a, an adult at that point. And you had moved to Brooklyn, and then we hired you to, uh, to help with some research on my book and do some other stuff, and you were an amazing helper, and we're like, you're going to go very far. And in fact, you went all the way across the country to San Francisco, and now what do you do? Uh, now I have a food and travel company called Traveling Spoon. Tra- say, say it again. A food and travel company a called Traveling Food and Spoon. Travel. Uh, hang on, we're gonna gotta get this plug in. Snood. We gotta get this plug in because we very rarely allow buzz marketing. I'm gonna make up for this Morton's brand <laughs> drop that I just did. You have a food and travel company, and it is called Traveling Spoon. Traveling Spoon. You have a little, You have some thoughts about that iodized table salt? <laughs> I really liked your, your plug for Malden. It is a great, a great, uh, I mean, I like, I use all the salts, all salts. I use Malden, I use kosher salt, I use right. iodized table salt. Yeah, but Malden's the best. Bath salt. All right. <laughs> Greg, you did not go to my high school. You're a stranger to me. I'm worried what's about your, this. What's your problem with my old friend, Stephanie, who's basically, yeah. who's basically my daughter? Yeah. She's a butter monster. She's a butter monster? Go on. Stephanie. Yes? 
Stephanie butters the crust of her pizza. I, oh my god. I have <laughs> I have never heard of such a thing. <laughs> you know there's already cheese on it. There's a, not on the crust bits. Not on the crust bits? Yeah. What okay. I am amazed like I grew up in a home my father is a glutton. <laughs> and his parents are uh, were from Kansas. Uh, from Kansas, the state of Kansas, sure, and and, uh, and later Kansas City, Missouri, and like the astonishing arrays of things that I've seen butter put on, cannot be overstated. And she has found a new wrinkle. I've 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 put I've put a pat of butter on a slice of steak. So you have a more open, you have more receptive ear in mind. Uh, tell uh, hold on. You think there's not butter on steak in my house? <laughs> I used to make fun of my dad for putting butter on steak. Then I put some butter on some steak. <laughs> you may find the same thing will happen with pizza. Tell me, tell me about, tell me about buttering the, the crust of your pizza. When did you discover it? What's the process? What's the butter? Okay. Uh, so I didn't realize that this was like a thing that might be frowned upon because I just grew up in a household where pizza was buttered. Um, oh. my, my mom always... This is generational. Is, oh, I only found out... First of all, let me... kind of weird sociological experiment if you can get yeah. children to believe it's normal to put butter on pizza crust. I forgot I... that you grew up in that weird geodesic dome in Brookline. Strange things happen there. I, I just want to say, first of all, that I didn't know that Craig had submitted this case, and uh, I only learned about it on Christmas morning. And, uh, and then I proceeded to ask, do a little research and, and figure out where this came from, and I learned that not only did my mom butter pizza, which is why I sort of grew up thinking that that was a thing, I guess it's not a thing, uh, but my grandfather also buttered his pizza. I just learned this a couple of weeks ago. And so did your great-grandfather. <laughs> so and that great-grandfather's name... President William Howard Taft. We get it. You come from a line of deviants, but... It's just like buttering bread? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, so a when you So when you sit down to a, to a pizza, do you just go all the way around the pizza first? <laughs> Or do you take one slice, do it one at a time, and then put two tablespoons of salt on top as well? I have do standards. Ever go, do you ever just go to Little Caesars and get the butter-stuffed crust? <laughs> I, I will say that I prefer to eat pizza at home because there's more readily... Because you're tired of the stairs? No. I really don't care that... Tired, tired of all those people staring at you, wondering what you're doing? I think it'll catch on one day. No, I mean, it's, I, I am a little... I don't typically ask for butter at restaurants, so it's more of a home yeah. thing. But that's what I'm saying. Like, when you get the pizza home... Yeah, so then I, I'll mostly eat most of the pizza, and then when it gets to the crust bit, I'll, oh. I'll use... Oh, like it's, a, like it's a leftover roll. Like a leftover roll. I see no problem with this, Craig. <laughs> I, Why I are you opposed to this? Uh, the, the history of deviancy is what I'm concerned about. We now have a, a child, and I don't yeah. want my son to grow up to be a pizza butterer. <laughs> Craig, I got a message. We've had a couple of... We've had two sets of young couples with young kids. How old is your son? Uh, He just turned one. Congratulations. Um, You may have seen Matt and Alyssa up here earlier worried that their child was going to turn into a cat lover. (laughs) You're worried about your child turning into a butter lover. I'm going to tell you something. Your children are going to become their own thing no matter what. You can't control this. They're going to become horrible monsters that you don't recognize. <laughs> or beautiful people that you, that you don't recognize or whatever. You know. they're, going to, they're going to become their own person. You can't stop 
these weird things from happening, especially if you're already married to a weirdo. <laughs> and frankly, I see nothing... You know, there's only one way I can know for sure. Is there any pizza and butter in the house? Is there anyone possibly... Oh. Wait, aren't you Brian Fernandez, the producer of Jordan, Jesse, Go? What a coincidence you were backstage with this pizza. All right, Stephanie, it's, come it's over, come over here so you can use the, the benefit of this flat surface and show me what you do. <laughs> I'm just going to examine the butter for a second. <laughs> a great choice. This is Kerrygold, my preferred butter choice. Great butter lovers here. Well, it's yellower just... than other butters. You could just start by, you know, having a couple of bites of pizza. Well, I, th- I want to see, so what you would do is you would eat the pizza and then finish the, the crust. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes, you know, the butter might migrate a little bit to the pizza part. But. That's where I'm interested in, that twilight zone. <laughs> All right, hang on. Hold this microphone and narrate what I'm doing. Judge Hodgman is currently ripping the pizza very masterfully into a small piece. Okay, now I have a perfect Twilight Zone piece of pizza. There's some cheese in the bottom, and it slowly transitions into pure crust. Show me how much butter you'd put on that. You, you might have just a... Show me how much butter you put on that! He's buttering the pizza. More. <laughs> All right, here I go. I'm going to bite from this end to get all of the different flavors, plus butter. (laughs) It helps that it's stone cold. (laughs) I like it. I ruined Stephanie's favorite. Brian, give that pizza to Daniel and Rebecca. They need it as a, as a gift from as a gift from the court. The gentlemen in the robes have sent this to you. <laughs> Rebecca, how's how's it going now? What's the number? Ten. Ten! Either we have really done our job or you, you know showpersonship and you knew what to say. But either way, I thank you guys for sharing this date together with us. And thank you very much for your kind attention, everybody. Thank you, Jesse Thorne, Jennifer Marmers, thank you for Sketchfest, Daniel and Rebecca, all of our litigants. Have a wonderful night and a great Sketchfest. That is all. Our special thanks to Tune Yards for joining us in San Francisco and for sharing their dispute with us. They've got a new album coming out this Friday, January 19th. It's called I Can Feel You Creep Into My Private Life. It's on 4AD Records. They're also going on tour in February and March. You don't want to miss them. If they're in your town, for your dates and more info on the new album, visit tune-yards.com. That's tune-yards.com. I will say this about seeing Tune Yards live in person. It is incredible to see Meryl perform. Uh, My producer on Bullseye, uh, whose name is Kevin Ferguson, is a musician, and he's also kind of a grumpus. And he recently declared that uh, looping pedals on vocals should be taken away from all musical performers except for Meryl Garbus of Tune Yards because it's so amazing to watch her use them. This case, Statue Arf Limitations, was named by Eric Ray. If you want to name a future case for the Judge John Hodgman podcast, just like us on Facebook. That's where we put our calls for submissions. Our huge thanks to the staff at the Castro Theater and to our pals at SF Sketchfest. Megan Hall, Heather Gallagher, Dave Owens, Janet Varney, Cole Stratton, just to name a few. SF Sketchfest is still running now. Visit sfsketchfest.com for the schedule and ticket links. I 
will recommend to San Franciscans that they take some time this weekend to go see my beautiful wife, Teresa, and her amazing co-host, Biz Ellis, do their smash hit show, One Bad Mother. And I'll also say friends of Judge John Hodgman, the Casper Hauser Comedy Group, are performing, I believe it's the last weekend of the festival, and that is always the highlight of SF Sketchfest, the best sketch comedy group in the world. This show was produced by Jennifer Marmer with help from Brian Fernandez. And that's about it. We'll see you next time on the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.